Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the driver shooting extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pr- pretty well. How about yourself? Practicing safe social distancing. And mm-hmm. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UTL American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. No more than your hearts. Mr. Rod Babers. Doing great. How are you? Wonderful. And uh, we are practicing social distancing. I don't know how much longer we're going to be allowed to do this in this format. Big thanks to Travis, best damn videographer in the podcast game, for helping us out uh, while we don't have our normal studio. Uh, Before we jump into it, guys, and we do have some news notes and nuggets, we'll go back and look at some things in Tom Herman's teleconference last week, uh, and we'll get to the Denzel Okafor news and a couple other things going on. What did you guys think of the watch-along? Like, uh, Did you have a chance to go back and listen to it, watch it, and reaction from it? I had some people that told me that was a really cool idea. We hadn't done that before. We'll probably do another one of those again, but uh, did you guys like the kind of cha- cha- yeah. changing yeah, it up fun. a little bit? Definitely enjoyable, and it's something down the road worth doing again, and it was sort of like it coincided with like it was a national watch-along almost for Texas USC on Thursday night where everybody was watching. So right now, you can definitely be open to any new ideas for the time being. For sure. We'll, uh, we'll look, we're going to probably be in off-season mode for a while, so we've got time Gotta to play with, play with some, <laughs> some different That's stuff. That's the funnest time to do shows like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we, we jump into the football stuff, too, uh, you know, I think everybody – I avoid replays of the 2006 Rose Bowl like the plague. I just don't. It's on all the time. And I love that LHN kind of gave everyone the middle finger by saying, you know what, we're going to run this thing on a 24-hour loop just because we can. <laughs> I loved it. People can't get enough of it. I watched I, it like three times. I avoid it, I avoid it like the plague because it's almost, Rod, it's almost like that song you love, that movie you love. You don't want it to ever get stale, so you don't want to just run it into the ground. Yeah. So I waited until ESPN re-aired it. Uh, last week, and man, it's amazing that the game still holds up, and I took a few different things from the game, and one of the things kind of bleeds into the Denzel Okafor conversation. When you look at Texas at that time, the line of scrimmage talent, I'm not just talking about offensive, I'm talking about the yeah, defensive, defensive line too. too. Mm-hmm. It, you can make the argument, it is the best collection of line of scrimmage talent on one team in school. When you look at both sides of the ball, what those guys achieved at Texas, and what they went on to do as far as guys who got drafted, guys who played in the league. And, you know, right, it, just, it was one of those deals where Texas has been trying. Mac Brown tried and never could get it back. They've been trying to find that formula, that championship line of scrimmage formula, and they haven't really been able to find it. And there's a, a number of reasons why that's been the case. It's been coaching turnover or missed evaluations in recruiting or just bad scheme fits or whatever, but they've been trying to get back to that point, and they haven't been able to. And when you look at, like, take that offensive line, right? Of your five starters in that game, four of them played in the NFL. I think we can all say had Will Allen stuck with football, he was an All-American that year probably would have made it five for five of guys who at least got a good chance to sustain something in the league. And when you talk about talented depth, Rod, Tony Hills was a backup on that Mm. team. And, you know, Mike Garcia was a guy that played a lot. William Winston was a guy that played a lot that year. So you still had guys, even though they weren't NFL guys, you still had guys that gave you quality depth. Flip it over to defense, (laughs) your entire starting defensive line was drafted. Yeah. Tim Crowder, Brian Robinson, Frank Ocam, Rod Wright. <laughs> you look at the backup, Roy Miller and Brian Arakpo were backups. Derek Loki's a guy that made an active roster Chiefs. and played in the NFL. 
as an undrafted free agent was a backup. So you look at all that talent, and it's not that Texas hasn't had talented guys, Rod, because you can look at NFL draft numbers, they have. It's just that shows you, we talk about Vince Young, we talk about the different aspects of that team. That, to me, is the most underrated aspect of that national championship team is the line of scrimmage talent because you still haven't gotten it back to that point through three head coaches and all the coaching turnover and all the recruiting classes. You've never gotten it back to that point. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a that's a large macro issue, though. I mean, then you're mm-hmm. talking about the state of Texas and recruiting and uh, the, sp- the effect the spread offense has had on, you know, the culture of offense mm-hmm. in in the big in, in the Big Twelve and also in the state of Texas in terms of high school football recruiting, but I think ultimately you got to get back to the point where you're getting the best D line prospects and the best O line prospects in the state. Yeah, and I don't know if Texas does that consistently. They're getting back to that with Tom Herman, and that's where you got to get to. When back in those days, I mean, there was no doubt that Texas was getting the best D line and O line prospects in the state. That's where you start, and then even though I know the the entire landscape of recruiting has changed dramatically, actually. And you can't just depend on one state, at least for the most part, for everybody. You can't depend on one state to keep you comprehensively whole in recruiting anymore, like Mac Brown did. Mm-hmm. He dominated the state of recruiting, uh, and it was he was like a he was like a third world dictator. I mean, he took the top recruits, and he, he it was trickle down economics keep them for from everybody Oklahoma. else. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to happen again because there's kind of a you know, the Iron Throne of, of, of Texas, who's the best 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 football program in the state. That mm-hmm. changes from year to year now. That's not just Texas like it was for a decade when Mac was yeah. reigning. That's no. It's sometimes it's te- Texas A&M, and sometimes it's Baylor, and sometimes it's TCU, and sometimes oh, and U of H down there had oh, sometimes mm-hmm. Texas is back. You know, you never know. So nobody can consistently gain a stranglehold on recruiting, and they never will. And that is the conundrum. How do you get the best D line O line in the state when A&M now has that SEC intrigue, and LSU is in H town? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, making sure that they try to get the best, and then you got Oklahoma, and then you got Oklahoma State to deal with. So for Tom Herman, you know, that is going to be. And I agree with you. I think unless you get back there, you know, you're not going to be able to win in that college football playoff scenario. You can win in the Big Twelve scenario. You can do that. Yeah. But to w- even Oklahoma's having trouble with that. And Oklahoma is a far better football program than to Texas. Sorry mm-hmm. to say that, but they are, yeah. and they're having trouble once they get to the college football playoff stage of being able to compete at the on the lines of scrimmage because. They can't consistently get those big dogs like Ohio State's doing. The Bosa's and now Chase Young. Yeah, LSU exposed them. LSU, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? And LSU, LSU too. LSU's had a better uh, run of defensive and offensive linemen. And, of course, we know about Bama and we know about Clemson. So, for Texas, yeah, I mean, that's going to be I – don't, I don't know how you do it. they got to have a clear plan. There's more than one way to skin a cat. But right now, yeah. I think they're off to a good start because, for the first time in a long time, they're getting those for those top four-star, five-star defensive linemen the state and the main part about it when you look overall like at the evolution of the conference and where texas fits now it's basically how you talked about getting that depth you looked at the bus rate of those classes that were the foundation for that oh five class you didn't first you have to be very efficient even back then you did and that was when it was just texas versus oklahoma and you feel good you didn't even have the big 12 rise of the rest of the conference or say the now aggies in the entire sec to come poach your linemen so the situation, the context around the whole state, it isn't a one-man battle against them, but then you still have to hit on that same rate you hit back then when you had a much wider, vast group to choose from, when you had these players that were elite yeah. and maybe choosing one or two. Now it's even harder to make that bust rate stay that low when you have it being pilfered out to, say, the SEC and to be able to still go with OU and then within the Big 12, just the competitiveness. So it just makes it so much tougher to be able to look at it now and be like, we have to hit that that same rate with more competition. So that's where the coaches, if you identify what you want and can go out and develop it, it still can happen. But if we're looking at the chances of it happening, it's a lot more sun like your windows narrowed strictly because of the competition around you and you still have to hit it that high rate just to barely be at that level to contend with those elite of the elite totally for a championship year in, year out. But getting a Vernon Broughton, getting an Alfred Collins, First that, time, that's the start. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you've got to start doing what Gary Patterson's doing. You know what I mean? And turn a, a Ross Blacklock into yeah. what now some people are projecting to be a first-round pick yeah. in Tom McShane. Those are your Brian Robesons or those guys yeah, that turn into exactly those guys. Yeah, I don't know exactly where he came from, but he was Ross Blacklock. 
Pop Pop was a pretty highly recruited guy, but to to your point, we look the bust rates along the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Really, in the last ten years, have been astounding. Especially, gosh, you look at like we'll talk about Denzel Logan for a minute, but that got me thinking about the 2016 offensive line class and the defensive line class in that class. Right? Like, you look at the defensive linemen Texas signed in 2016: Gerald Wilbon, uh, grad, grad transfer; yep. DeAndre Christmas, grad transfer. And either one of those guys, I think you describe you would describe them as impact players while they were at Texas. Jordan Elliott transfer, Elliott. Chris Daniels transfer, Andrew Fitzgerald medical retirement, like Marcel Southall transfer. Like other than Malcolm Roach, all that defensive line talent you brought in, the Charlie Strong brought into that one class. Other than Malcolm Roach, you got nothing out of it. And you know mm-hmm. Charlie can know how to recruit defensive talent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and he didn't have one thing we do there on the D line. But that goes back to something Matt and I track when we started tracking bust rates. Like when you look at those transition classes, that's where a lot of your and not just the transition class itself, but the couple classes around it. All it takes is one head coaching change to just take a recruiting class and make it crap. Like that's what makes what mm-hmm. Mac did so outstanding. Like, I would say that that 2000 game we just watched, how good that was, but it was a good way of marrying a class and then being able to ride that hired momentum and that sort of initial wave from the new hire. Mac rode that so well and was able yeah. to establish that by 02, he's getting the foundation of the Blaylocks yeah. and those guys that fast and did it. And that was basically you had Makovic not having to have an OU to compete against to get say the Casey's and the Leonard's and the Mike Williams and those type of guys so it was a lot easier to you recruit were competing against early that was exactly it. and then it became just OU and then when you have that turn into what it turned into post 05 and the spread evolution that just makes it so much tougher yeah it's just hard because you know as you guys just pointed out Texas had one recruiting essentially they had one recruiting peer and yeah. it was a and that's in the state and I'm, I, I know Longhorn fans are going to say what do you mean they're up here back in the day when I was being recruited. Trust me, A&M in Texas, they were recruiting the same level. That was the, only, that was the only program Texas got into recruiting battles with, was A&M in the state. They didn't get into recruiting battles with freaking Baylor mm. and freaking TCU <laughs> no. and freaking U of H. But now, every now and then, they'd be like, oh no, uh, Baylor uh, and TCU also want him. He's, he's, he's mulling over Texas and TCU. You're like, really, what? Like, that didn't happen back in the day, but now yeah. that is the case because there is no clear-cut uh, best program in the state. It varies like from Billings year that guy so yeah so now getting back to your point it's just it's really hard to keep up the same hit percentage yeah. when you have lowered the talent pool essentially or you have to sliced it up yeah. into a lot of different times time. you know I went back and looked at this Rod and my Rod you can see you know I've got my clinic notes pad I got my football pad and mm. I got my, my recruiting research pad and this page actually fell off it was first this is all the bus rate and hit rate numbers for mm. every class from 98 through 14 are the ones that are completely done and I didn't, so I didn't track 96 or 97. You're I didn't track the whole rod. Big 12 era, but <laughs> I think I'm going to do it and just call it the Big 12 era. But for the, and I, I, I'm, I'll have my articles on Horns, at Horns 24-7 looking at this, uh, from 98 on, but I'll, I'll, tr- I'll get them down pat for the entire Big 12 era. But I went back and looked at 96 when Mac took the job, that 96 recruiting class, right? I counted 11 of 23 signees that he got something out of. But listen to some of the names of, of those 11. <laughs> Brandon Healy, Jamel Thompson, J.J. Kelly, Matt Anderson, Corey Quiet, Roger Racer, Casey Hampton, Cedric Woodard, Aaron Humphrey, Donald McCown, and Chris Stockton. I remember those. 97, 10 of 21 signees that John McAvick had, Mac, Mac Brown got something out of. Who were among the 10? Major Applewhite, Maurice Gordon, D.D. Lewis, Hodges Mitchell, Mike Jones, Leonard Davis, Sean Rogers, Kwame Caville, Greg yeah. Brown, Quentin Jammer. That's not like spares. No. It's all Americans. It's first-round yeah. draft picks. It's Ooh, all Big guys. 12 guys. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And by comparison, you look at, like, let's look at when... Charlie Strong took the job. The 2012 class, you had a 20, you had a 25 percent bus rate in yeah. that class. You're creeping up to 30, but your NFL hit rate, you're barely at 18 percent for an NFL hit rate. 2013, as we described it, yeah, the worst terrible. recruiting class in Mac Brown's tenure. Your bus percentage in that class, 46.7 percent. Your NFL hit rate was 20 percent. And of those NFL guys, that's only one of those guys was drafted, and that was Jeff Swain. Did they surpassed the 2009 class. Yes, in terms of bus rate. Yep. <laughs> And that's the cliff because if you that's look crazy. back before, what was the older foundation before that? It was, I guess, eleven when it was Quandre and Shipley and those type. That of That eleven class only had a four and a half percent bust rate. Yeah, so well, that was the foundation of the old heads that were just left over. Yeah, that's when Mac was rebuilding though. Well, that was when, the beginning but, of his and, strong, and then Charlie gets the last. His first year gets the end of, end then, of that rebuild, and yeah. then he's left with the cliff that was the twelve yeah. and thirteen year, and it's yeah. sort of the same idea that either Mac 
seized it, there was no cliff back in that 99-2000 class. It was able to vault. But if you don't have something behind it, it's like, well, you're going to be left with nothing. Luckily, Mac was left with Ricky in 98 to have that carryover and have well, a few guys. Be able to... Ricky. He was left with Ricky and Casey Hampton yes. and Kwame Cavill and Sean Ryder. Dude, Magnavik left him a ton. Yeah. That's what you would find and about that was those transitions drop, when you have a quick amount of success early, even with, you know, Bob Stoops at Oklahoma or Urban Meyer at Florida. You go look, even Pete Carroll at USC at a blue blood. Usually when they have that quick run, you'll go back and look like, damn. They left a lot of good talent. They maximized it, but they left them a lot of good talent. Going back to, it's very hard to be bereft of talent at a blue blood. Like, There's yeah. tons of talent there. Gosh, just ain't maximized. To your point, when Stoops took the OU job, I mean, he got there and realized, you know what? John Blake didn't do a whole lot right. Dude could recruit. Come on, yeah. Mike There's talent there. Tons of it. Yeah. yeah. And then once Bob Stoops, all those guys have been first, second, third round draft picks. It was like, oh, they're all Blake guys. Yeah. Nobody gave Blake any, any credit at all. Hell no. And then you end up having Mike Leach come in and be like, ah, I find a way to use these guys. Yeah. And you need an inventive mind with new pieces and a fresh look. And that's what's fun about seeing some Getting of these Josh classes. Josh Juco didn't hurt either. Well, and when you get a new move. coach to come in with a different perspective with the same players, how different that dynamic can change in just one offseason if it is that right fit. And that's what Texas fans, not to say Yersich could be that guy, but just one change with the same talent can yield much different results, all dependent upon on the situation. But to, to with Rod, we, we talk about we talk about this a lot uh, in the off season. It seems like it's been like the overriding theme since we started this damn show damn near a decade ago. <laughs> is the the player development, talent development, or the lack thereof? We decided, Matt and I decided, and I've tweaked the formula, and I had to get Matt's blessing to tweak it because you know I didn't want to like Any take fine Matt's tuning. formula and call it mine. <laughs> no, more information. Copyright infringement. See, yeah. I, I'm an information guy. More info, the better. We if just, you want to add something, add We it. decided that basically if your NFL hit rate is 30% or better, you did a great job developing high-end talent in that class. Yeah. The 2008 class had a 33.3% NFL hit rate. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Manny Acho, yeah. Aaron Williams, uh, who else was in that OA class. Keaston Randall was in that class. Yeah. yeah, you count Blake Gideon who was an active, who was a, a practice squad guy for over a year as part of our criteria. You know the next time you had a recruiting class at Texas had over a 30% NFL hit rate? You didn't. Maybe you didn't have one until 2015. You went from say, 2008 yeah, yeah. to 2015 where yeah. you didn't have a 30% hit rate of NFL guys. And what was guys. the 2015 one? 33.3%, but that's, think about think about Tom Herman's first two years yeah, though. Yeah. That's Malik Jefferson, Deshaun Elliott, Charles Amenahu, Patrick Vahe. You know, Patrick Vahe doesn't count toward that. Uh, PJ Lott counts toward that yep. NFL hit rate. Was Dixon in there? Yes, Longball Dixon <laughs> counts toward that. Yeah, but, I love that we had a punter leave early. But to the point we're talking about, we talk about bust rates. How does Tom Herman get in a situation last year where your depth isn't great and you're having to play a lot of young guys? Have a 2016 recruiting class where your bust rates through the roof because you have all those de- all that defensive line attrition, all that offensive line attrition. Yeah, that's a situation when you see that 16 class like that. Now it's a little bit different on the timetable, but those can be similar to your 12-13 that can become a cliff or like say your 9 class, like one class can pull you down. And that's why the big freshman group that came in with Herman were so key that he could be the one that can be that leaping off point sort of like you were in that 99 class going forward because it can lay a foundation. But the bus rate's the main thing. Just prevent that from happening. And if you're a school like Texas, like you said, you got talent there, you're going to be able to be at least serviceable and then if you have the right coaches or the right players then you can be really good i think and, and you know i always say that you know you, you need talented football players to play defense and i'm not saying you don't need talented football players to play offense but schematically and and from a tactical standpoint you can a scheme can give you an advantage on offense we've seen that with the air raid at texas tech mm-hmm. and washington state you know you don't have to have the talent that texas has but that scheme can give you an advantage over texas hill lincoln rally at Oklahoma. Uh, he combines that with the uh, with the premier talent. If, if you look at the the trends of the defensive side of the ball, where you need just talent, like you got to get talent. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that you can be a premier defense. Their scheme is not going to give you that much of an advantage defensively. No, not these days. You can see. Where Texas, those cliffs you talk about, mm-hmm. you can see them clearly and distinctly yes. on the defensive side of the ball. That's why first years for, you know, Todd Orlando, for Manny Diaz, for Vance Bedford. With the old all, heads. Yeah, you know what I mean? Veterans. All of them really good years because they're, they're inheriting it. Then they get that cliff from that. 
I don't know, that decayed or decrepit recruiting class that ends up having a huge bust rate or whatever. And then you can see that cliff because they don't have the guys to back up those veterans they inherited. Then they're supposed to have somebody to, to hand it off to mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily have anybody to hand it off to. Or those guys are so young that they're inexperienced and they have such growing pain until they become experienced football players. And that's why in the first year for all of those guys, they had the same arc. All of those guys are, oh man, Tarlando, we got to send him to an extension. Man, Vance Bedford's amazing. Mm-hmm. And man, he is going to be next head coach at Texas. He's so good. And then literally within the third year, we're like, this is the dumbest football coach who's ever coached at Texas. We have to fire him immediately. How the hell did this guy get this job? He should be sacking groceries. You know what I mean? And Nobody we've seen this happen. But you know what I mean? It's like, and it's like, whoa, guys, something's going on here. We can't be, we can't make that same leap every year in a three-year span. But it's, it's, it's the cliff you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Offensively, it's harder to see and it's harder to track like well, that. You can cover it up. You can get a scheme that literally can help you out. And Texas hired new offensive coordinators, right? And had brought in tons of new schemes as part of the offensive identity crisis. But on defense, you can clearly see mm-hmm. it. You can clear that arc every time. And that's what you're hoping that, you know, Chris Ash can avoid. And that's when you're talking about, you know, a veteran group. It had players that play smart. It isn't necessarily football IQ. You can acquire it in many ways or accumulate it over your time. It's really hard to be a freshman or a young player to plug in. And now if you are, you're going to be really good and you can last for a while. But you're more vulnerable in those situations. So this is just why you like your point about defense and how different it is from offense. Offense, you can either get the scheme in there. You have a few highly skilled guys, but you can sort of get away with the missed assignment here or there if it doesn't affect the integrity of the play. But the offense, the way it attacks a defense, they're looking for a vulnerability. Yeah. If you have a weakness, you can maximize yeah. and exploit that weakness. And then if you understand, well, this guy on tape doesn't seem to be getting these schemes, you can easily find ways to confuse them. And that's where you'll hear like certain, like you always talk about Belichick and Jimmy Johnson and how you're never going to hire a dumb guy because yeah. he always knows that at least it's going to implement what we need. And then like you were saying, if you're on defense, you're out there because your skill set is at a higher level than say you know other situations you're going to get those 11 out there just to be able to play so then it's really about marrying those two together and if you don't have one or the other you're going to have that crater that falls off that then in the modern day even gets attacked more so by great offensive minds than say it would have been 15 or 20 years ago but to your point rod i just calculated the bus rate for the 2016 class it is it is percentage points away from being the worst in the the Mac Brown era, forty two point four percent or forty six point four. Uh, Two thousand thirteen was forty six seven. But to your and point, that's supposed to be like the experienced part of the roster, right? And on, especially on defense. Yeah. That, that group for Todd Orlando that should have been those defensive linemen uh, and linebackers. Eric Fowler was part of that group mm-hmm. that should have been either third, fourth year juniors or true seniors this year. Oh, no. And so are they going to exactly. be able to get? I, you might have Malcolm Roaches out there, and you didn't. Yeah. You should have more guys that you know be veteran guys who had been there done that yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't necessarily become a superstar but hey i'm dependable you know what i mean and i'm a veteran i have a consistent baseline mm-hmm. you can you, you know what i mean you can give me an, a, an assignment and i i, I can execute it yes for you. you know what i mean and, and be dependable in that and yeah. i'm not i'm not gonna be overcome by the moment or the game because i played in texas OU and i played in the bowl games mm-hmm. you you were missing that and i think you can go back and look at all those defensive coordinators and they probably were a class that heavily affected their third year. Oh yeah, you can you can it see decimated. It. I mean, for Manny Diaz, it was really that 2009 and 2010 group. Mm-hmm. The 09 class bust yeah. rate about 43 percent. Oh, the 2010 class bust rate was almost 38. Killed. So that's Manny's downfall. And then for Vance Bedford and Charlie Strong, like we talked about, it's that 2013 class that by Charlie's second year, it, other than really your defensive guys, other than Nashawn Hughes and Antoine Davis, guys that weren't playing a ton, you you had nothing. Yeah, and that was a purge. Was a part of that. Not that you had guys, not that you had guys that uh, that like weren't good. No, yeah, you had no bodies. They weren't around. Yeah, yeah. And, and the and the you know the, the 2012 class was was kind of the same thing. I mean, yeah, you know, you had Malcolm Brown, but when he leaves and then Ridgeway's banged up, it just it exacerbates the fact that oh that guy that the previous staff was counting on, well maybe he's a depth guy for us. Now for the next staff, he's got to be a frontline guy, and he's not ready to be a frontline guy or in a position to be a frontline guy. So we say all that to say this: when you look at the the numbers that Tom Herman's putting together for the 2018 classes and where the 2019 class 
got some attrition, but at least it's not falling off a cliff. That's going to really tell the story of how this thing goes. Mm-hmm. All right, it's time for our first break on this week's show. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. When you look back at the 2016 class, again, that's got over a freaking 45% bust rate, Denzel Okafor is in that class, and he wouldn't have gone towards the bust rate because he did contribute, but puts his name in the portal, takes his name out of the portal. Hey, Tom Herman's two for two guys on guys going into the portal and being able to pull him back out. Three for three. What he did with Juwan Mitchell and then Denzel Okafor. Casey Thompson? Well, yeah, but it, I'm talking about just in this offseason. Oh, okay, this yeah. offseason. Okay. Otherwise, it's a good one for fans to know, though, that like you don't have to give up on a guy if he goes in we there. This transfer portal thing's good for the kids to just know what options are out there. Casey I would Thompson, like the overall numbers. Casey see. Thompson's rod, that was more like uh, quarterback transfer roulette, almost like who's going to blink <laughs> first. Because like, you knew with Cameron Rising and Casey Thompson, like, one of those guys was leaving. Yeah. It's just like, are, are you leaving first, or am I? Well, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go first. Are you? I ain't gonna give it up if Casey you're Thompson's leaving. Thompson's probably wishing he had left now. Could be tough. Probably. I don't. Yeah, when it, when it comes down to it, in the end, he's gonna be yeah. like, I probably should have just left. Because yeah, I mean, but then selfishly for Texas yeah, fans, you're yeah, like, hey, looking right numbers. now, there are more people hoping Hudson Card makes the leap than hoping Casey Thompson becomes the guy. But I'm just saying, I know Yurcich wants another quarterback. All right, that's been reported, and you guys have talked about that. He wants another quarterback. They got Hudson Card out there. You got a new regime, a new coordinator, and Casey Thompson is, you know, he wasn't recruited by that coordinator. So he may like Casey Thompson's skill set, but he's, no, he's not Sam Ellinger. So Sam Ellinger, you have that, that's your guy, of course. And Sam Ellinger's a high-level quarterback. We, so yeah. I'm saying usually guys like that get lost in the shuffle when there's, a, there's, a, there's an offensive culture change. This is, an interesting, mm-hmm. this is an interesting conversation to have because for two reasons. One, when you look at the guys that Mike Yersich offered to try to put in the class with Jalen Milrow, Sawyer Robertson out of Love, out of Love Coronado, who's going to play for Mike Leach at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. and Garrett Nussmeyer, Doug Nussmeyer's son out of Flower Mount Marcus, who sounds like he's headed to LSU. Those guys are more of what you would think about. The, I hate the labels now because I don't think they really apply anymore. But what you would think about more prototypical kind of pro-style type guys yeah. with functional athleticism, unlike a Jaquinta Jackson or Jalen Milrow, where you're thinking more of kind of like you've got a true, and how I would define a dual-threat skill set is, are you athletic enough in the run game to where a, a coach, an offensive coordinator at the college level can design a run game around your skill set. Like that's why Sam Ellinger is a dual threat quarterback. You can design a run game around Sam Ellinger's skill set. Garrett Nussmeyer and Sawyer Robertson aren't that guy. And I think too, I think it's probably a good thing they're not taking one because this is a different discussion. We don't talk much recruiting on the show. But Rod, have you heard about Quinn Ewers at South Lake Carroll? No. Okay. Go class of twenty twenty two. Might end up being a top overall prospect in the country. Hmm. Like. Our national guys are talking like Trevor Lawrence type skill set wow. with this kid. So that's kind of for Mike Yersitz. That's, that's kind of the the, the the carrot being dangled down at the end of the road. Like, okay, you might miss on these guys, but man, if you get Quinn Ewers, that could resolve your quarterback situation for three or four years. How do you like, spell his name for fans that don't know? Ewers. Uh, e W E R S. Yeah, you gotta be looking at those kind yeah. of guys, um, especially as early as a quarterback. As quarterback recruiting is. Yeah, well, you got to because you know you. you your focus every year is to just bring in as many quality quarterbacks as you can. I love that Tom Herman, you know, basically every other year brings in two. I think that's smart. It's just, I mean, these days they're going to leave. People are like, well, you're making them leave because you're bringing in more quarterbacks. It's like, dude, you cannot control they're that. They're going to leave anyway. You cannot control that. The truth mm-hmm. is 50% of the of the blue chip quarterbacks you bring into your program transfer. That is, that, those are actually 247 sports numbers. All right? <laughs> and you don't know about injury. That's another thing that's out of the equation. That's up to the football gods. And then you don't know if, if guys is going to suck and not be able to transition to the next level. Not their fault. It's hard. It's a hard game to play and a hard position to play. Then you got guys that end up changing positions. Rojo. All right. We need you for something else. Play this. You know what I mean? Right now, there's like a 20% hit rate on quarterbacks. If You know what I mean? If you know what the hell you're doing. So, yeah, bring in as many as you can. The ones that transfer, ultimately, you can't control that because only one guy can play. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I like what they're doing at quarterback. I think bring in as many as you can. Exactly. If a quarterback's scared of competition, that you bring him in, then yeah, he wasn't the guy. Well, and we've been yelling for a decade, you know, like basically 
say the total inverse is where Texas was at, and there were no quarterbacks, and it's nice to get to a point where you're seeing multiple quarterbacks in classes being stacked up, so then you have a handful of options instead yeah. of being like, ah, this is the only one on the roster that can play. They're, they're admitting now they're going to transfer. They, that's why you recruit two quarterbacks yeah. in the same yeah. class. Now you know they're going to transfer. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, and I like that they're honest on the front end. Yeah. At the pro level, you mentioned Bill Belichick. I'll throw another one in there. Mike Holmgren was really good about this. Guys don't, I don't think, figure out the quarterback position. The only thing you figure out is, you know what? I'm just going to bring in as many as I can. And a law of averages says I'm going to hit on one of these The guys. smart organizations always do that. I mean, Jimmy Johnson, when he rebuilt the Cowboys, you know, he drafts Trey Aikman, uh, number one overall. But then in the supplemental draft, literally the same year, they end up drafting Steve Walsh. Because he's, he's like, no, I, I know this guy. Because they're not sure about Trey Aikman. Because mm-hmm. they, no, they're not sure about any of them. Yeah. Nobody knows about any of these guys. You don't know what you don't know once you realize how – how dumb you are about quarterback unless you're Bill Walsh or Andy Reid or Sean Payton yeah. or Kyle Shanahan. Uh, you know, there's like eight of these guys on the planet that Cliff Kingsbury know what the hell they're doing with a quarterback. Unless you got one of those guys or you are one of those guys, then admit you're ignorant about it. You don't know what the hell you're doing. And that's why Bill Belichick drafted 11 quarterbacks since Tom Brady. He's been looking for the next Tom Brady since he drafted Tom Brady. That's why he's going to succeed. He's going to succeed because he's going to keep on drafting quarterbacks until he finds the right one. And everybody else is going to keep going, no, no, I know I'm drafting this guy every three years, and we're going to see if he's the guy. No, 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 just keep drafting him. And then some Blaine Boyer for a million dollars. You know, like he's going to get so much production. I I draft one every year. You ain't got to draft him high. I draft one every year. And the Cowboys, of course, have drafted the second fewest quarterbacks (laughs) in the NFL since 1999. Only the Colts have drafted fewer, but they've had Andrew Luck and freaking Peyton Manning. Yes. So it's understandable. But And, and I think New Orleans is tied with them. Yeah, because uh, the Breeze. The they've had Drew Brees. And it's like the Dallas freaking Cowboys. Or they're the dumbest. They have the dumbest luck when it comes to quarterback of any organization I've ever seen. The football gods want them to have a quarterback really bad. Because they <laughs> should be in quarterback hell. Yeah, just keep on replacing them. But when you talk about that, trust, it's the same thing the NBA did with trusting the process, the idea of when Hinky did in Philly is like, man, we don't know at the top. Even if you're at the top of the NBA draft, it's a crapshoot from year to year on who it is. So it's about accumulating the amount of picks. So then if you have, say, two or three top picks every year or two or three first rounders and back-to-back years, that can be a foundation of your entire team. And that's what they did. And they got rid of a couple that didn't work. And that's where the smart teams admit that they don't know everything and then are open to new ideas that then can allow you to sort of fall into situations that are advantageous. And then if it sucks, you can quickly reboot it again. And that's why it's all planned that way. And in college is even more convenient because you get more to go handpick than you do necessarily via last year's results in the draft class, the way the pro system set up. So with the college system, if you can go do that and then understand and basically recruit knowing the transfer aspect is available, not only that they can take away from you, but you can supplement your roster on a year-to-year basis and fill those holes sort of the way you would hear Mac talk about plugging a ship here or there. Well, nowadays with the grad transfers and the transfer portals, you have to you can be basically take more risks in recruiting to hit to try to get the right guys to fit, knowing that you have more opportunities to replace them quicker than you ever have before. I, I think, you know, I don't want to get too deeper into this, but I think it also helps, Rod, when you can recruit and you're not recruiting from a position of desperation. Yeah. Yeah. where you might reach on guys mm-hmm. or take unnecessary risks. Like you go back to that 2013 recruiting class that we talk about, that infamous class that still, even though the 2016 class is going to go down with a really high bus rate, it's not going to be quite as high as 2013. But, you know, Mac didn't want to take uh, – in, in another lifetime, there's no way Mac Brown would have ever touched a guy like Desmond Harrison. But yeah. needed to fill a hole. Was true. But he was desperate. They they needed they needed guys, and, and there were guys. You know, Got guys – the league, though. Guys, yeah. <laughs> Desmond Harrison was a good <laughs> – Mag wasn't rolling. No, he wasn't rolling. in the league for a few years. I mean, yeah. he got, we need those type of guys. It was better than what you had on campus. I remember, like, I remember that, I'll never forget that one spring, like, he was out with a leg injury, and you found out, oh, like, he got, like, shot. He got, like, a bullet grazed his leg or something. <laughs> That's not a leg I'm, injury, right? That's a bullet leg injury. That's a... Plexico. Yeah. <laughs> not like Dennis Weathersby, who got shot and still got drafted ahead of Rod back in 2000. I forgot about that. Back or something, yeah. <laughs> Sad. I still, man, the, the Cincinnati Bengals were the healthy Rod Bay 
neighbor sitting on the board said, nah, take the guy that got shot. He might have a collapsed lung or something. But yeah, it's funny how like much him better than Babers. How much different the, the information age has changed the way that, like, you know everything about these people and these stories. Like, it back, like, before, like, 2000, things like that happened to, like, major leaguers or NBA all players all the time. And they had no, oh, damn, they didn't report that? All right, I'm good to go tomorrow. It's pretty funny. And then you look at, like, the way that everything's changed with the information age. I just saw the NFL talking about their draft right now and like you've seen these different hate groups or whatever infiltrate these zoom meetings or whatever these meetings are depending upon a college campus or whatever they're worried so much now not only of outside forces hacking the nfl draft but other teams hacking into other teams zoom drafts and like just where we're at in this information era so quickly and how much everybody can know everything about everybody even unbeknownst to you knowing that they know it no if you hire a hacker i mean you wake up like that's what happened to me last night damn we know teams are using technological means yeah. for athletic espionage, as happens in Major League Baseball, as the Astros. Well, yeah, we Luna's voice NFL, We know the NFL people are brazen, i.e. Belichick. Uh, they will film you on the sidelines yeah. and actually do it again even after they've been caught. Yeah. That's Bill Belichick and the Patriots, so you combine those two aspects, and I totally agree. Denzel Logan doesn't need to be great to be what Texas needs him to be. He just needs to be good enough to where he can lock down one of those two starting jobs on the offensive line, probably either right tackle or right guard if Junior Aguilar moves to left guard. And at least from a depth standpoint, I feel the same way I do now when he put his name in the portal. It doesn't kill you, but from a depth standpoint, you'd like to have a guy that's played as much football as he has, that's been in the program as yeah. long as he has, and at least has some starting experience. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know, other than him wanting attention why he would put his name in the transfer portal. I assume that he, he nobody's guaranteed him a starting spot, and that hasn't really been discussed, and he's probably been discussed as one of many options at those two positions you talked about. I agree. I think Junior Angelou is going to end up starting. We know Cosme is, you know, your left tackle. Preseason All-American. Yeah, Kershaw is probably going to end up at center just because of the uh, the importance of the position and his skill level overall. We know he can play any position on the O-line, but right now the most important position for you on the O-line to get solidified is at center and you don't have an offseason right now, so you can't afford to experiment. You don't, Matter of fact, you don't have time to experiment. Right. Nope. With, with, you know, other guys in there, younger guys at that position. So if you do have your, your left side solidified, man, Herb Hand, that, to me, the job is pretty easy. And if you're Denzel Okafor and you have more starting experience than, you know, that basically that pool of young guys that they're going to be uh, trying to, uh, you're going to be competing with, you should you should definitely end up locking down one of those starting spots. I, that's why I said I don't understand why he would put his name in the transfer portal when he was projected by most people and we are not the, we are not behind the burnt orange curtain but most of us projected he'd be a starter on that line so staff didn't want him to leave and I, I, well, I think this is the one of the problems with the portal not that it's a problem because you guys know I'm for the portal I'm for mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, until you're going to pay players the more rights and privileges you can give them I'm all for it a predicament that comes with it but this is this is one of the problems with the portal is you don't have to run it by the head coach to put your name in the portal Mm-mm. you just go to compliance and from the time you tell compliance you want in they've got 48 hours to post your name yep mm-hmm. that, that's that's what the process it. I like that so, process actually. Mm-hmm. You've got you got some situations where a head coach only has to hear goal. from his football ops guy, hey, you know uh you know Joe Smith is in the portal. Like I just talked to him two days ago and he was fine. Why is he in the portal? <laughs> well, well I don't know. Did I communicate well with him? And that's I yeah. mean that's it shouldn't have to go That's through the coaches, situation. but the coaches are going to abuse that. We've been seeing over right. over the years that coaches abuse their powers. So yeah. You can't. The whole point is to empower the, the student athletes to give them an option outside of the coaching staff and their influence over the players. Just their own we personal know, right. Sitting in a conference, sitting in a room with a coach, they have a tremendous amount of influence over mm-hmm. those players and what they could say. Trust me, as a guy, they would bring you in every year to sign the scholarship, and if you didn't sign the scholarship, trust me. I mean, I'm sure there would be issues. I, I know a few guys who didn't sign it and. And it was always a big thing. All right. Now, yeah. you shouldn't sign anything unless you have somebody read it. These days, they tell you as an adult, do not sign anything unless you have a professional, a lawyer, read that document. And yet, student athletes all over the country, all they do is sign documents that they don't read. They may yeah. read it, but they have no idea what the language means. Unless and they have no idea who to go. Who do you go tell? Who do you go ask? Hey, come in here yeah. and read this document for me and tell me about my rights as a student athlete. Nobody ever will. So I like what they're doing. I think it's necessary. The whole point is if these young 
young men would be, I think if they were being taught the right thing, like, like I was by my father, when I was being recruited, he told me, Hey man, if you're going to X off Oklahoma state and Texas tech off your list, call those guys and tell them, tell the, tell the coach he's not wasting his damn time. Partly because my dad got tired of them sending letters and calling. He's like, man, you just tell them dudes not to call yeah, here. Yeah. If you're not, if Quit you're not calling you know me, you're wasting their time and you're wasting my time. Yeah. So I would have to do that, which was very difficult for a 17 year old. youngster. And tell, you know, tell Joe Paterno. Business and training. Like, nah, That's a good sorry, father coach. right I'm there. I'm not going to tell Bobby Bowden that you don't, you don't want to go to your school. And, you know, those guys would be on the phone and trying to, you know, persuade you the other way. Um, so it's an awkward conversation that these young men should be having. But when you have coaches who are willing to leave their jobs without ever talking to their team, when you have coaches who will pretend to go to the bathroom at a recruiting dinner like Tommy Tuberville and then leave and never come back and ghost his team and take on the job, <laughs> that that's wrong. We have Randy yeah. Essel who will do the same thing. His team finds out uh, on, on a call on Sports Center that he took another job uh, with Maryland, and now I think he's back at UConn. You have all these stories. Manny Diaz, another one of those guys, Temple yeah. took the job for I don't know three Five weeks days. or something, and decided to leave. And when you have those well, kinds of Rick stories, did his. when you have those stories, when grown men won't even have the awkward conversation with a young person and go, "Listen, things in life change. When you have a family, you're gonna you're gonna be in a situation just like this where you have to decide what's best for you." Your goals, your aspirations, your faith. They don't want to have that conversation because they're worried about money. That's what drives everything. Mm -hmm. So in that case, give these young men rights. They're already employees. They don't treat them like that. Give them rights. They shouldn't have to tell the coach a damn thing. Yeah. The coach, because the coaches now, they're mad because they got to keep recruiting these kids for four or five years. That's what they're They used to be is. bring them on campus. Trust me, I was one of those guys. They come in and recruit you, and they de-recruit you. Gotcha. Like trash when you get on campus because you know That's you got gotcha. no other options. Yeah, yeah. Go, go transfer. And you right. transfer back in the day. It was a scarlet letter. Everybody don't talk like, back to oh, me. Oh man, you must have transferred because you did something dirty, you got arrested, yep. or you must be a problem child or something like that. Now, everybody can transfer, and it's not you're not a problem child, you just didn't like that situation you were in, and we all agree. Hey, just like marriage, sometimes, you know what, me and her, we were in love, but now we're not in love. And it's an adult conversation we can have, and now those coaches, they don't like it because their hypocrisy is being thrown in their face, just like they used to yep. leave their jobs and not say a damn thing to the team. Now mm -hmm. these young men can leave that team and not say a damn thing to the coach. They're getting a little bit of their taste of their own message, and they don't like it. And you brought it up, I mean, it was Mark Rick just signed that class and then just retired, just left Florida to yeah, cause the Manny thing. Man. But think about that idea that yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, wait, actually, I changed my mind. I'm going to not coach again. Which is fine. And then, Which is fine. But, but, but tell, be, be respectful. Exactly. And the conversation you had about, you know, signing it, having to come up and sign this piece of paper, just sign away, whatever. You, come and, on, sign this piece of paper, son. Come get your meal. And, and you know who didn't right. sign that? <laughs> you didn't sign Well, you know you're going to get your meal. Uh, or a room and board. Oh, oh, damn, I just want somebody to read it. Well, we got to hurry up. We got we only got a couple of minutes. If y'all remember <laughs> Old Wooderson, his speech on the 50-yard line of Burger Center, and he was the one talking about Randall Pink Floyd, who wouldn't sign the piece of paper, yeah. and dazed and confused the whole time. And Wooderson, McConaughey, told him that every, all your life there's going to be somebody trying to get you to sign something in on, this huh? whole speech. So it's funny that we actually have Wooderson at campus that could be the guy <laughs> telling Randall Pink Floyd to not Don't sign die, these man. things, come down to the 50-yard line with me. And, I mean, that's literally what McConaughey's role was in Days and Confused. That's awesome. So, with Denzel Okafor, though, and I'm right, I'd have to go back. I haven't done it yet. I'd have to go back and look at timelines on when stuff was announced in terms of extending dead periods and when he went in, et cetera, et cetera. I would think he probably, and I don't know, I haven't talked to Denzel Okafor. I only know, I only know what I know. <laughs> but I, I would think he probably put his name in there thinking, okay, maybe I need to give myself some options. And then probably realizing, well, you don't know when this dead period is going to end, when you're going to be able to make a campus visit, what yeah, things are going to look like. And honestly, at this point, I think for a lot of coaches, right? I think this goes for Texas because we heard Texas maybe going and not in her. I, I, I know from some of the sources I talked to, they were looking in the portal for maybe a receiver or maybe linebacker help, a couple of areas. I think at this point, especially when we talk about the offensive line, at this point, what's that old saying? It's probably better the devil you know than the one you don't. Stick with the devil you know. It, it's, <laughs> it's probably a situation where you're thinking, okay, run. yeah, we could maybe go into the portal for help, but if you can get Denzel Okafor back and you know what? You probably like to not have been in a situation where you've got to say, okay, is it Willie Tyler or Topia Amati? Can one of those guys figure it out? Or Tyler Johnson or Christian Jones? Can one of those guys figure it out? Probably better to do that with guys that have been in your program than rolling the dice on a grad transfer that, at this point, you don't know when you're even going to be able to meet with them. Oh, you're right about this. It's like the COVID-19, that, that domino effect is having all throughout sports, mm -hmm. specifically football. And I said this about the NFL, but I think it applies to college football as well. Hell, it'll, it'll apply to high school football. God willing, we have a season. You're now, if you're a coach, you're thinking about, 
about, all right, who's the guy that ran that system last year? Because I don't really have an offseason to teach a new system to mm-hmm. a guy, teach new technique to a guy. You know what I mean? Get to know another player. So if you're a veteran who's already a coach already knows, you have a tremendous advantage yep. now in two-a-day competition or to make that roster. High football IQ guys, right? too. Like, well, those high football, are... But that's going to be, I got to get to know you. No, yep, you got to know football exactly. IQ. Nope. I, don't, I don't got time to get to know you. Right now, I need to know, Can do you know how to run my system? You know how to run it? Man, you know what? No. I'll take him. But the other guy, he's faster and he's more talented. Yeah, but I ain't got an offseason to teach him my damn system, so I yep. might not even be able to get the most out of him. And that's what, honestly, bringing back Herb Hand out of all the offensive coaches, uh, and, and Stan Drayton, too, of course. Safe area. Herb, Herb Hand thing is huge now. Mm-hmm. Considering yeah. you had no, think about you had no offseason and had to get a new offensive lineman, mm-hmm. new, new technique, new concepts, new scheme. That'd be brutal. But at least Herb Hand knows the players, knows the personnel, and go, no, 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 this guy can do that. This guy can't. Because, like you said, right now, you got to go with what you know. You don't even have an offseason to see if now a guy like Denzel Logova is if he is an improved tackle or an improved guard. Now you got to go off what you know from last year. He was a better guard than a tackle. All right, let's go. All right, let's put him at guard. You know what I mean? Like you, because you don't have time to make a proper evaluation because you don't have an offseason. And then it becomes okay if he's a guard, then okay for that other starting spot. Willie Tyler Topiamati, you're out of the mix now. It's Tyler Johnson or Christian Jones. Because I don't have time to experiment. Right. It's brutal. Well, but if you're smart, if you're a good problem solver, you can, you know, I think you can work your, work your way around it. But, man, it's it's going to be brutal for a lot of guys. Yeah, I know. Is this where, like, Saban has his hundred analysts at home, like, droning through? Like, this is where those organizational skills and being yep. able to understand and trust your employees and that your employees yep. are doing what you need them to do, that they have the minds to be able to do it. And, like, I mean, you can marry all of these things conceptually man. together for as a coaching staff oh, and organize everything. The implementation is going to be tough because of the uh, reaching the kids whenever you can't be there. But still, the ones that have it together, it's going to be more evident than any other time than the ones that don't. It's hard enough as it is to work for Nick Saban. Can you imagine being one of his analysts <laughs> where he knows you don't Charlie. have Charlie, you've got nothing but time. Yeah. No, yeah. that's a great <laughs> point. But I will say, this is when a huge Hit your quotas, staff, your film quotas. Huge support staff has got to be big now. You know, think about some schools, small support staffs right now. Yeah. Getting all the video to the players, splicing up all the clips and ooh, it's brutal. You got a big support staff now. You just dish. You just you easy just delegating. Uh, you know orders to get different guys. Get this to this guy. Do this. Do that. Uh, it, it's harder to organize, but at least you do have the foot soldiers to carry it out. Some schools right now, small support staff. Yeah. I can't even imagine yeah. what, all the different duties and responsibilities. Now you thought you had, but now oh no, you got to do like five or six different jobs. Even like the lesser power five schools. Texas State. Yeah. Even Texas State's going. Oh through. my God. You know, they yeah. got a huge support staff. When you got an incompetent AD, that doesn't help either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the new coach. I thought about that. He was winning. Uh, jab. It was total jab <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. One last break on the show, and we will wrap this thing up and put it in the oven when we come back and close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Have you wanted to speak a new language, but you thought it'd be too hard or take too much time? Then go to Babbel.com, download the app, and try it for free. In just 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. And right now, you can try Babbel for free. Babbel starts out teaching you words and phrases by matching them with pictures. You won't believe how easy the interactive program is. Soon the sentences get a little bigger, and before you know it, you're having simulated conversations voiced by native speakers. And because Babbel is crafted by language experts and uses the spaced repetition method, in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking the language of your choice with real confidence. With Babbel, you can speak a language. Just go to Babbel.com and start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Download the Babbel app or go to Babbel.com and try it for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (laughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park... Or at your kitchen table. Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. 
If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I'm doing all the right things, drinking plenty of water, eating right, exercising. But month after month, my constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating keep coming back. Irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC, affects 13 million Americans. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor and learn more at linzess.com. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com. Or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Allergan Pharmaceuticals and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <coughs> now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table... Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CBS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Have you wanted to speak a new language, but you thought it'd be too hard or take too much time? Then go to Babbel.com, download the app, and try it for free. In just 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. And right now, you can try Babbel for free. Babbel starts out teaching you words and phrases by matching them with pictures. You won't believe how easy the interactive program is. Soon the sentences get a little bigger, and before you know it, you're having simulated conversations voiced by native speakers. And because Babbel is crafted by language experts and uses the spaced repetition method, in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking the language of your choice with real confidence. With Babbel, you can speak a language. Just go to Babbel.com and start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Download the Babbel app or go to Babbel.com and try it for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. I am doing it all. The water, the fiber, the exercise. But I still have constipation with belly pain, straining and bloating that keep coming back. My doctor said that I may have a chronic medical condition called Irritable Bowel Syndrome with Constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats adults with IBS with constipation. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. From Ad for Rob, for Travis, the best damn videographer in a podcast game for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn. 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. You can also ask your smart speaker, say, Alexa, play 1049 the Horn, and she will play it for you. I know I've done it myself. Uh, you can catch me and Craig Way on Light the Tower every weekday from 10 to noon and Rod B. on the Triple Option afternoon show, RBKD with Rod, Brad Kellner, and Kevin Dunn. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt. As he mentioned earlier, you can get all of our classic interviews archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Also, don't forget to search Horns 24-7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts. Google Podcasts is now available on iOS operating systems. So Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, however you get your podcasts, search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. You get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship anywhere you get your podcast. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.